How do I sound? Does it sound okay? You sound good, yeah. Sound good? How do yeah. I look? Mm. <laughs> mm. I, I, like, so I stayed up <laughs> last night writing in my diary about how you look. <laughs> and... <laughs> The best part about how you look is that, like, it's just mysterious enough that, like, I'm like, what could happen? You know? Like, is it time? Is it time to make my move? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is he, he, when he rolls his eyes at me like that, it's like he wants it. Is he making a. Oh, thanks, man. Is he saying. Thank you. Is he saying, like, hey, you know? We've been, we, we've been. Is that a come get me look? <laughs> we've been uh, producing partners for a while now. Why don't we start, you know, producing a partnership? Are Partner. we are we opening a bed and breakfast in Vermont? Uh-huh. Oh God! Yep. If only. <laughs> You're listening to Laughing Historically with Adam Latz, Adam Cooney. Dr. History Scholar. Welcome to Laughing Historically. I'm your host, Adam Lax. And on the ones and twos, we got... I want you to say Adam Kudin. <laughs> and we got Dr. History Sage Scholar, Moral Probity Principality yep. mm-hmm. of the Universe. Of the universe. Of, the universe. of m- multiple dimensions mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. existence. You're you're the history scholar, but like Jet Li in the one, <laughs> right? Where it's like your wife's just like, you're getting older. You shouldn't know so much more about history. And you fight. And I, never mind. Whatever. If you know, it's like Jet Li everywhere all at once. You ever see that movie mm-hmm. where you're like, mm-hmm. you're like in multiple realities being morally superior to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. I honestly something that movie brought something out in me. Like really. I was, I was so jealous of the sausage fingered lesbians. I was just like you're you're literally in the perfect universe for you. You don't remember from that movie? I haven't seen that. Movie. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's yeah, good. You one of see her it, yeah. yeah, one of her lives she lives in the multiverse. She's a sausage fingered lesbian. Hot dog fingered, I guess. And they're in love. Yeah, that was terrifying. Okay. It was the that movie. Best. At parts, kind of went off the rail. I would say, it went, like, it, yeah, but which rails? The rails yeah, of what uh, dimension? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what which, about a dimension without which, rails? Which ver- <laughs> <laughs> when there were just like rocks with eyeball, with like googly eyeballs, and they were like moving towards Spoilers. each other. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> dude. To fully spoil yeah, that to, movie, yeah, yeah. you would have to bring up like whole. Whole first and second level philosophy, yeah. Like, it's degrees. Just like, it's just like, like you know, uh, yeah. it's pretty bananas. It's, it's pretty bananas. It's bananas. Well, right. yeah. And uh, we got this day in history with Doctor History. Or are we not doing that? We're not, wait, we don't have a this day. Oh, right, because time. we are. Uh, this is a second parter. <laughs> right. We are continuing, guys. This was just a, we took a quick break from mm-hmm. our last. Yeah. Episode. The quickest break. of breaks. We, we took mm-hmm. a very quick break, mm-hmm. and now yeah. we're we're jumping back into part two. Yeah. Uh, you want to kick us off, Dr. Yeah, History? so uh, in, the last, in the last part, we were talking about Bass Reeves and mm-hmm. his early life. We talked about where he was born. Quick question. If question every mark. time you say Bass Reeves, <laughs> is it racist if I go, mm-hmm? Yes. <laughs> Power. It, it but like feels, scale of one to ten. I'm the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, what's the you've spectrum seen, of you've racism? Seen, you've seen the color of my skin. There's absolutely no way that I can answer that. That's fair. Yeah. I... Hmm, yeah, because I just feel like it would be like it's been I, like I mean a, it in a positive way. It's been a solid rules. seventy years since anyone had any prejudicial thoughts against me. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. 70 mm. years? I'm to a, the I'm day? Almost exactly. <laughs> yeah. I have it on my calendar. You, you have it like marked down. Yeah. Like that moment in your mm-hmm. diary. In, in my life. Yes. <laughs> of that my, alternative reality years. that you were <laughs> in. Yeah, no, it's it uh, in in your particular community it's called Whiteness Day. Uh, it's like Juneteenth, but it's yeah. when oh, oh, it's when no. you guys became white officially. <laughs> Just like slap like white paint oh, all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when basically it's Irish, right? It was Irish when Irish I'm German people... and Catholic. Oh, when German Irish Catholics became white. Well, so it's not. It's you know. Let Let's not move too fast. <laughs> <laughs> did they have a ceremony for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did. The English fa- the English royal family actually had. They they're actually the deciding ones where they Is it like, like where they knight you with a sword. Yes, I now pronounce you white. <laughs> yes, they don't knight, they don't knight you with a sword though. They knight you with a stack of money uh, on each shoulder, and they're like, now you get interest free loans forever as a white credit scores. Great. Uh, uh, yep. So, and all the Jewish people are like, we've been doing loans to each other like that for a thousand years. What are you talking about? How do you think we bought the media? Uh, <laughs> see, you guys laughed at that. You're just as prejudiced as I am. Moving on. So we left off in our episode mm-hmm. with uh, him uh, discussing what was called the the deadline, which was the sort of the boundary between... Uh, Arkansas on the one hand and the and the Indian Territory, Oklahoma on the other hand, where outlaws would place these cards on the trails being like, if this U.S. Marshal comes by, we're going to we're going to shoot him on sight. Uh, and Bass Reeves ends his career with like a dozen cards that mention him by name. Mm-hmm. And he was never once touched by a bullet. Right. So like he touched uh, by a bullet. Yes. Uh, he who? had like Wait, who? He, he, Bass Reeves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had like a dozen kids. So, um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so, so Reeves is 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 touched by a bullet related to touched by an angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, first one, then the other. <laughs> yeah. uh, touched by a bullet, suppose, you will yeah. be touched by an angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Uh, if you were a good person, I guess. Anyway, that's moving into theology, and this is a history podcast. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's keep our. Let's keep our uh, school subjects separate. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so so uh, Reeves often tried uh, to avoid shooting his quarry, preferring hand-to-hand fighting to subdue fugitives. Uh, this stemmed both from the fact that transporting live prisoners was often easier. You still had to bring back dead bodies, mm-hmm. right, to show that the person was no longer alive. And they don't walk. Didn't we talk about this? We did, but... Okay. We're doing a recap. We're doing yes. a recap? All right. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Um. But it also uh, stemmed from a deep commitment to the idea that a judge and jury should decide the punishment for a fugitive, right? So it wasn't up to him to decide uh, if a person was guilty of a crime, right? It was for someone else to do that. So in order to take fugitives alive, Reeves would use guile and deception in the form of disguise. He often found the smallest horse that would carry him and would stoop his shoulders to further disguise his physical size because he's if you recall, he's very big. He's yeah, isn't like he six, like six four? Yeah, he's said? like he's between six two and six four. He weighs over two hundred pounds. Like he is a big man, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you consider <laughs> the eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties. What I'm just agreeing with you. In the in the eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties, the average height of a man is probably between five seven and five nine, right? And the average weight is between one hundred and forty and one hundred and sixty mm-hmm. pounds. Like he is a 
much larger person. And, and racially, would he have stuck out, or was it pretty like, uh, again, mixed? Like, yeah, on the on the frontier, there's going to be that part isn't going to be as big of a, an issue, right? If he'd gone up to Vermont, he would have stuck out. <laughs> Wisconsin, uh, or yeah, or Wisconsin, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but but mm-hmm. Arkansas, Texas, in in this period of time is is relatively uh, diverse. diverse. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I remember on a podcast they said lowest estimate was that most cowboys, like mm-hmm. like anyone who would be considered a cowboy, by the lowest estimate, about a quarter of them were black or brown. Yeah. Like where, you know, some uh, sort of not white, would have been yeah. considered not white. Yeah. Um, so he often, uh, so he might dress as a drifter, a farmer, or a preacher to throw uh, criminals off the scent. So on one such occasion, he tracked a pair of brothers to their mother's house. And in order to surprise them, he dismounted nearly 30 miles away, and he purposely dishevels his clothes, and Reeves walked all the way to the house where he claimed to also be a fugitive fleeing a deputy marshal, mm-hmm. right? Basically, he's pretending to be on the run from himself. He also uh, came to the house for the two men living with their mom with some tendies and mm-hmm. some Mountain Dew mm-hmm. so that he could play video games, and their bitch mommy would feed him more tendies, no? Probably. They had real incel vibes. They I did. Get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he asked if he could stay the night and the mother seeing in him, her own boys and taken in by his earnestness, let him in. So for the remainder of the evening, he talked with the brothers becoming fast friends. With were them. they white? Did we talk about this? I, it wasn't, it wasn't stated in the story whether or not they were white. I just, if they yeah. were, it would be interesting. The mom being like, I see you and my own boys. And you're like, really? In 1890 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what? That's a pretty woke. Mm-hmm. Mom of incels right there. Uh, how did that, how's that even happen? Criminals. Wow. Um, so he talked with the brothers. He becomes friends with them. And at one point, they even plan a future heist. They're like, <laughs> we're going to rob a bank in the future. Oh. Um, now, the cool. brothers, thinking themselves safe, drank heavily. And when they finally passed out, Reeves handcuffed them in their sleep. They awoke to find themselves shackled and at gunpoint. And he marched them the 30 miles back to his wagon, with the mother following them for the first three miles, cursing him out. <laughs> Bass Reeves received $5,000, which is about $121,000 in today's money. Really? Wow. For this. Yes. It's quite so, a score. Yeah. So Reeves soon, soon earned the nickname the Indomitable Marshal, right? And so if you remember, with the payment, he's being paid, he's given a per diem, but he has 30 days to serve a warrant, mm-hmm. right? So he can't, the per diem will only go for 30 days. Um, and he's paid based on the number of warrants and arrests uh, and subpoenas that he serves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, was that contract. average? Like like $5,000 reward? Uh, like that, that would have been a big one. He absolutely makes more money than the average U.S. Deputy Marshal, though, because he's so much better than the average U.S. Yeah, Deputy yeah, Marshal. Yeah, he keeps yeah. arresting people at such a faster rate that... Um, were they really more like bounty hunters? I, they, I feel like they, they were kind of. They're getting. Cl- they're close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like legal bounty hunters. Right. They're. They're. They are to bounty hunters. You might argue what privateers are to pirates, right? right. Like, there's what a lot. Blackwater of some... is to uh, mercenaries. Like, who's that? Who's just... that? Bount, uh, dag. Dag. Dog. 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 <laughs> dag. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was da- I don't know dog just, the bounty hunter. Oh my god! You just became one of those like <laughs> gypsy people from from that uh, that movie with um, those guys that one time. Uh, what? <laughs> god damn it! It's uh, Jason Statham. Yeah. 
uh, the old guy named Bricktop. He feeds people to pigs. You know what I'm okay. talking about? No. It, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say Tom Cruise, but not him. Um, Angelina Jolie and oh, um, yeah. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's in the oh. movie, and he plays an like an English gypsy. Uh, and he goes, do you don't remember that? Scene? Who, who like just speaks gibberish? Like you can't. Yeah, they do a lot of say. gibberish speak, but yeah. like you just did. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> that was a long. Oh, walk. oh, thanks. I know. I, uh, thanks. You like thanks? the Guy Ritchie oh, movie? What? What? You like what? Thanks. You like thanks? Thanks. <laughs> oh, dogs. Do I like dogs? That's what you did. That was a long way around to a bad reference of a great Jason Statham movie. I, I was really. trying to create parallels between Bass Reeves and Dog the Bounty Hunter. Dog the Bounty <laughs> Hunter. Not even close to the same. One of them would have bounty hunted the other one. The one who was hunted would have killed the one hunting him for being a criminal. Uh, I'm just trying to relate, you know, I think make it modern. A, I think there was a behind the bastards on Dog the Bounty Hunter. There was a whole Probably. thing. Was he like an asshole? Probably. Probably. Sorry. Yeah. Um, oh. so- Adam hit the mic, owning our mistakes. All he right, did. moving Sorry. on. So Bass Reeves became the indomitable marshal, which kind not of rules. related to Dog the Bounty. The not U.S. Even. Marshal Service was the first NBA, actually. We're <laughs> 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 just Jesus Christ, the suit first year on the job, and he's beating all our stats. He's hitting threes. <laughs> just... <laughs> Have you seen? <laughs> If you see, yeah, his rebound percentage is out of fucking line. All right. So Reeves. What? I'm he, black excellence. Why you shook your head at black <laughs> excellence, Dr. History Scholar. Dr. History Probity Questionable Scholar over here. <laughs> scholar? <laughs> so he didn't waste his money on, on fancy guns, so no pearl or ivory-handled pistols for him. But he was routinely armed to the teeth. He's never without a Winchester rifle, which is a lever action, like okay. a multi-shot rifle, uh, three Colt revolvers, and a double-barreled shotgun. He usually wore his pistols at the hip in such a way that each could be drawn across the body, so cross-drawn, um, so left to right and right to left. Added to the arsenal of weapons, he's usually was usually well-dressed in gingham suits, dark trench coat, a wide-brimmed hat, and gleaming boots. But despite being a giant walking armory, he was described as good-humored, kind-hearted, and sensitive, uh, even adopting a litter of abandoned puppies. But, oh, but, oh, right. Yeah. But being that this he was... He did actually, after he adopted the litter of abandoned puppies, he taught them all to talk and then bought uh, a lookout tower in Adventure Bay. And... <laughs> this is a Paw Patrol reference. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a Paw Patrol uh, reference. I, like, what the fuck? <laughs> does, 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 does your son listen to our podcast? Oh, uh, God, I hope not ever. <laughs> I hope not ever. You'd be like, I thought my dad was smart until I realized he was a podcaster and I started listening back. And I once held esteem for him. Yeah, now I'm just no. think, keep thinking I should put a pillow on his face when he sleeps. <laughs> wow, just, that escalated sh- quickly. I'm so, well, I got out he's of 13 in this, so you know who didn't want to kill their parents at 13? That's Me. fair. I all right. You were probably the nicest teenager. <laughs> I feel like Doctor History Moral Scholar was. A model. When I was at home, I was like Doctor History Moral Scholar, and then I'd be like, "All right, mom and dad, bye." I'm I'm I can be in very <laughs> not great situations a lot of the time. Is that what you did? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Did you ever get into? I I was always the person who, if I did anything wrong, I would be caught. Um. Right. So, like for instance, I had a friend in in high school who could fall asleep in class, like front and center class. Nothing ever bad happened to him. 
I'd like doze off in the back corner. Teachers always found out that that was, was the, the roughest shit you got into. Maybe you were just <laughs> every teacher's hope for the <laughs> yeah, next generation. Like every yeah, teacher was I'll, like, no, so, so, keep I mean, an eye yeah, on Michael. Up if he at goes like wrong, six thirty in the morning. Like, <laughs> so, I, I like every, te- every teacher's like, if Michael goes wrong, we I'm we hanging were, myself. Yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm gonna start. It's drinking. like the canary in the cave. <laughs> 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 but that's the domino that falls over. <laughs> if he goes bad, there's just no point to any of this. But but Lax, to your point when you're like, is that the worst thing you ever got up to? It it more along the lines of if I couldn't pull off falling asleep in class, how was I supposed to pull off it's true. actual it's true. bad things? Were you right. marching band? No. Were no. you I, I was in band athletes? No, I was in debate club. Debate club. Yeah. Okay, I was trying to feel around my, for, the, was, for the I got, nerd I got hobby. A letter. I got a letter for that. Like, yeah, if I you get, get a. <laughs> I got a letter in, de, in debate. If I'd had a Letterman's jacket, I could have. I would have had oh, a letter. Oh, I like, was like, like from the president. Yeah. Who fucking, yeah. Like you must have been a great debater. No. You got someone wrote a letter just because of how good of debating you were. No, you got one of those jackets. Yeah, mm. they give out that for debating. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We I had we had T-shirts debate. one year that said "Debate." It is my full sport. We were cool. Um, moving mm-hmm. on, a lot of um, finger banging in the debate <laughs> room. Actually, of. that makes sense that you were a debate. Yeah, well, yeah, that does make sense. Uh, it's now, so what so, extracurricular activity do you think I was in? <laughs> I'm gonna go with 4-H club. <laughs> How fucking <laughs> dare you? Oh, you look, like mom an and after- dad, I milk so good. Whatever. You were an after-school pharmacist. That takes that. Most pharmacists don't. Never mind. So um, now he, uh, you know, he's a kind. He's described as being kind-hearted and sensitive, and and you know, good-natured. Uh, but that being that this is the 1870s, racism was something that he faced consistently. On one occasion, while transporting a white federal prisoner, he was subjected to a racist tirade from a white citizen uh, who disapproved of a black man having such power over a white man. Now, regardless of and, uh, this is regardless of the fact mm-hmm. that the man had committed a crime, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now, when the what local, crime did he commit? Do you know? If, if it's being that this is the 1870s and the man committed a federal crime, it's bad. Um, right, like the yeah, federal, there weren't a lot of federal crimes because it wouldn't even just be murder because that was still a state crime. Or, it would or, have been like murdered a mailman or, or, like, like, <laughs> or, or like murdered across state lines. Like he would have had to have committed crimes in multiple jurisdictions mm-hmm. and multiple felonies in jurisdictions yeah, yeah. before U.S. marshals are going to be the ones uh, transporting them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the local police show up and they side with the the white bystanders. Of course mm-hmm. they do. And at one point, guns are drawn. That's so weird, right? <laughs> They're the ones you could be like, hey, guys, put aside your biases. <laughs> no? All right. It, it sound exactly like that. Oh, yeah. my cousin doesn't yeah. listen to this. <laughs> so, so at one point, guns are drawn and aimed. But Sorry, before dude. a bloodbath, in which Reeves almost certainly would have won, uh, could ensue, a senior marshal diffused the entire situation. It's too bad. So mm. Reeves' first killing as a marshal also involved racism. The senior marshal, so a senior white marshal yes, came, came out. Who, so basically Bass Reeves' boss had yeah. to like show up. Just, listen, folks, I know. It's a weird situation some of us might not have seen before. <laughs> but you will die. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to shoot anyone. Bass here has done a very good job. The man he is carrying, uh, let's just say he took some people and 
trafficked them. Let's just say <laughs> around, and he's not a good guy. Also Irish. Irish. Can we all just agree he's, he's not Irish? really white. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know. Don't what, get your undies too much. Yeah, let's point. not be splitting hairs here, everybody. <laughs> just let Mr. Breeze be on his way, all right? And the whole time he's just like, I got three pistols, a shotgun, and a rifle, <laughs> yeah, so like, money's on me. <laughs> By the way, I was going to talk about that yeah. before. He basically just has like a great combat loadout, yeah, yeah. right? Like that's a, oh, you want, definitely don't want to ever run out of like immediate access yeah. to like guns in case like, and oh, he's got I have long range, short range. He's got like an NRA ditch. wet dream, man. Well, in the, you wanted a couple of pistols too, because guns took a fucking long time to reload mm-hmm. back then. So like if somebody moves in on your cover while you're reloading, you still have a whole nother gun that like, if yeah. they come around a corner, you can fucking smoke them. You know what I mean? Like I, cause yeah. you know a lot about guns, uh, just a little bit about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever... so much Halo? No, <laughs> I mean I have played a fuckload of Halo. Um, but also, have you ever seen Quantum Leap? Yeah, that's Wait. basically my life story. I've been places. I've been around. <laughs> You're wondering I that was what? History yeah, no. Well, I, I mean, I've seen him around. You, you but jumped. I'm more of a protagonist <laughs> and he's more of an antagonist. If you understand, I've been chasing him through all of my time leaps. <laughs> and, and I got to be honest. He's like, always one step ahead. Oh, obviously. Obviously. But obviously. that is why I'm able to, to channel Nixon so easily. <laughs> we've run into each other in the time sphere. You know? you get, the time sphere is a crazy place if you've ever and been Nixon's there. Nixon's thrown in the mix. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Always. Nixon's, he's, he, he's always coming and going. You know what I mean? Like never really in one place, right? He he's doesn't always, take interviews. He, it's mainly tough. because he's he's just trying to keep one step ahead of Kissinger who keeps yeah. pinching his bottom. Yeah, 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 um, it is. <laughs> I've seen it, actually. I've seen it. But now Reeves, Reeves's first kill as a U.S. Marshal also involved racism. He's tracking uh, a bootlegger. Mm. Um, and when Reeves, a racist a, one, yes, because yes. when oh, Reeves approached twist. him, because when Reeves, <laughs> he's racist. Not, you are not gonna believe this. That a white bootlegger in the 1870s. Uh, but shocked. Reeves approached him with a warrant, and the man who was drunk yelled, "Quote: A black badge doesn't mean a damn thing to me." End quote. Was and he like? It's he only said black. That's, that's even. <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> a black badge. Oh, was but like was a badge just like a name for it's like five O or whatever. Yeah, at the time. yeah. He's oh, like okay. a you know a, you you being. Uh, I'm surprised there weren't some n bombs in there. As well. You know, it might be that it, it was, uh, you know, changed over time, softened over time. Mm-hmm. The quote. Uh, this for is the our quote. Modern sensibilities. I, yeah. um, the man went for his rifle, but before he could swing it up. Reeves pulled his revolvers and put two bullets neatly into his chest. Nice. Mm. Nice. So in 1884, after about nine years of experience as a deputy marshal, Bass Reeves was instructed to apprehend a Texas outlaw named Jim Webb. Now, this we need to remember this guy's name, Jim Webb. Mm-hmm. Uh, this man Jim had Webb. been the foreman of a ranch in what is now Oklahoma. An inveterate racist, Webb was accused of murdering his neighbor, an African-American clergyman named Reverend Seward. Webb's excuse, which was not backed up by any evidence, was that Seward had intentionally let a fire burn out of control and damaged the ranch that Webb was working on. Now, again, nobody, even like in the 1880s, everyone's like, dude, that's, he's just a clergyman. Like he's the the local reverend. He did. Like, he, man of wow, God. there's a lot of steps there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of steps in a, in sort of a way. Like, maybe you just made that up. Mm-hmm. Like, you just came up with that on your ride over here. Yeah, after you killed him. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So Reeves, with his posseman named Floyd Wilson, rode up to the ranch under the cover of being cowboys, looking for a bite to eat and a place to rest. Now Webb, unlike the mother we previously discussed, was not impressed by this, but let them in, right? This actually made Reeves more concerned, as though he was being lured into a trap. Webb seems to, doesn't, like, seem to buy that they're cowboys, but he still lets them in. So Webb brought Reeves and Floyd into a dining room where Webb had an associate. So now there's four guys sitting in the room. Okay. All of them are armed. <laughs> now Reeves told fabricated but believable stories about his and Floyd's travails until Webb beckoned his companion into the other room. Reeves heard furious whispering through the door. The jig was up. Reeves told Floyd that when the two men came back in, he, Floyd, the possumman, was to keep the other man busy while Reeves dealt with Webb, right? So Webb and his friend re-enter the room with their guns drawn. However, Reeves and Floyd have their guns drawn. It's like a Mexican standoff. Precisely. For the next few minutes, nothing happened as the four men stared each other down over their pistols. One can imagine Ennio Morricone's... Exactly. I don't have to imagine because I played Red Dead Redemption. Yes. At the end of that game, yeah. It's a lot like that. So the spell was broken by a noise... piece of shit. The spell was broken by a noise outside. Something happens outside... Everybody, Webb turns to look out the window, and Reeves lunges. He jumps over the table, grabbing him by the throat with one hand and prying his pistol loose with the other. Now, what, while Reeves, Reeves is doing all of this, Floyd does nothing. Okay, He remains frozen in place while Webb's partner fires two shots at Reeves. Reeves pulled another one of his pistols and dropped the other man with one bullet through the stomach. Reeves and Floyd brought Webb back to Fort Smith to await trial. Now, Webb makes bail and then skipped his court date. He would have to be <laughs> apprehended again. So he must not have done anything too terribly wrong, right? Like if it's... Um, Wait, no, he killed a guy. Well, how, yeah. does he, how do you get bail after you kill a priest? I don't know. Racism, probably? Probably. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, also, there's also the, the, the fact that, like, the, what we think of as... It is entirely possible. So I don't know the, the ins and outs. I'm just spitballing sure. it is possible that fort smith didn't physically have a place for him to like that the the the, the number of cells was full right and mm. they couldn't keep anyone else mm. there right the the infrastructure uh, of of holding prisoners in the 1880s is not as extensive as it is today right mm. but but the correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. punishment for killing a person at this time is hanging yes Almost so you're basically certainly. like, you're out on bail, come back. So we can hang you. Come back so we can hang you. That seems, oh, by the way, we're right next to a wild, untamed country you could do your best to disappear into. Yep. That seems dumb as shit. God, people are dumb like, as shit sometimes. I, mean, I don't know. Like They probably were like, you know, he's, he's not white, so they, they probably had a different standard. No, uh, no, Webb is Webb's white. Oh, Webb's white. Webb is white. His victim was black. His victim was black. So. Oh, so it was like, ugh, yeah, yeah. But, you know. There's always that double standard. Either way, Webb skips bail. I feel like you kill a priest, just build a fucking another cell, right? Like you can do it in a couple of days. Chain him to a fucking pike out in the yard or whatever, yeah. and like you know, yeah. pike stick stake. That's what I meant. So one of the greatest. So so Webb is going to have to be uh, brought back in. But before <laughs> that, one of the greatest manhunts that Bass Reeves was ever a part of was not a hunt for a man at all. The hunt was for the infamous Bell Star. Now, she was born on February 5th, 1848, in Carthage, Missouri. Uh, she's 10 years younger than Bass. 
Uh, beautiful, intelligent, and cultured, she was from one of those up-and-coming slaveholding families that would find its fortunes dashed by the Civil War. Aww. I know. Aww. It's so sad. To... Oh, did you, did you put all your money in people mm-hmm. and now they're free? <laughs> Her older brother was a pro-Confederate bushwhacker who died fighting Union troops in June of 1864. So mm. his, her older brother was, a, was an insurgent Tough. in modern parlance, right? A guerrilla fighter. Mm-hmm. In 1864, the family, having lost everything in Missouri, moved to Texas while the war was still ongoing. This is not unusual. Texas actually receives a huge influx of Confederate refu- white Confederate mm-hmm. refugees during the war because outside of a handful of incidents, uh, Texas remains relatively untouched by the war, right? Mm-hmm. The United States Army very rarely shows up in Texas. And it probably so had far like out. some, yeah. yeah, it had some of the, like the least of a federal presence probably well, and before the war. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, right after the war, Maximilian and the French that they need to, yeah, fuck off. they need to fuck right off. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is our half of the entire world. Exactly. <laughs> Go away now. Yeah. How dare you be so selfish and take some of our half of the entire world from us. Uh, now, from Texas, she fell in with criminals, Bell did. Uh, her first husband was wanted for murder until he was in turn murdered in Paris, Texas. Uh, Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Not before he slayed that pussy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? All right. Her second husband, a man named Sam Starr, was a Cherokee from Indian Territory who brought her more fully into the criminal life. Was he related to Alex Starr? Just... <laughs> I should probably cut this up, producer. Don't worry about it. She... Adam, cut this. Cut this, Adam, for real. All right. She organized and planned cattle rustling. Uh, horse thieving and liquor smuggling. She was in charge of fencing. Sounds fun. Yeah, yeah that, that, I, I would. I would hang out. Kuhn would definitely hang out with. Yeah, her. for sure. For sure. What was her name? Bell Star. <laughs> Wait, but no. But she was she like adamantly still racist at this point in time. Probably. I mean, she's married to a Native American. I mean, that, that's kind of the general vibe. Of so that that's kind era. of no, but like maybe she just you know said fuck it, fuck fuck civilization. I'm just gonna you know like so he's she's married to a Native American, which is. Yeah. You know, not super racist to mm. thing to do, I guess, right? Mm. Like on if, and right, yeah. So uh, she was She's a tr- states' rights bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a states' rights hoe. Is right. she not goth enough for you? <laughs> yeah, she's not. Yeah, <laughs> I used to believe in states' rights until I realized nothing mattered, <laughs> and I just started listening to Depeche Mode. <laughs> she was married in- a Native American <laughs> because he has great mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the reason. <laughs> Sickest mescaline I've ever taken. Yeah. Nothing peyote matters. up the wazoo. Yeah. <laughs> Just say up the wazoo. Yeah, peyote for days, man. <laughs> I don't use the word wazoo. We don't call it that. We call it, we call it dark hole to the soul. That's what we call I'm assuming we're talking about an asshole. Is yeah, that what we're yeah. talking about? Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, good. Of course. Good. No, up up. the wazoo. Wazoo is not ass. Is that wazoo? What the fuck else would a wazoo be? (laughs) Up the wazoo. I don't know. I don't know where wazoo comes from. Up the wazoo? Dr. History Dr. Proling <laughs> Scholar, do you know? Would you like to yeah, where's Wazoo run, run the from? query? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hit my head. I laughed so hard. God oh, my it. God. So she was also in charge of uh, fencing stolen goods, 
Uh, and when things went sideways, she was in charge of harboring fugitives or bribing local officials to release compatriots who'd oh, nice. been arrested. Uh, she oh, who do you fence bribing. all this stuff to? <laughs> the Dark Lord. The Dark Lord is his name. I sell it all to him. Where does he come? I can meet him in a cave. There's lots of candles. So many candles everywhere. <laughs> You're going to love the next part. She okay. was fond of riding side saddle, dressed in a black velvet riding habit, plumed hat with two pistols and a cartridge belt slung across her hips. Like nice. the only photograph she, we have of she her. She was is, a Western goth. That's yeah, cool. Basically, like the only, the only photograph we really have of her is her on a horse with like a bandolier of bullets and and pistols uh but with like a really like fancy person's hat right oh, nice. like yeah. uh, that shit would get all mixed up back then yeah you know what i mean like all of a sudden you'd be like that guy looks like a banker but he's got you know what i mean but, but he robs banks but he's billy the kid or whatever yeah like yeah. that's really interesting it's it's she, almost as if everyone owned only two pairs of clothing yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your Sunday suit and then the clothes that smelt bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah the clothes yeah. you did everything else yeah, in. Yeah. I feel like she rode off into the sunset at the end of this story and just like founded the goth scene in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> that is not oh, what happened. Yes. No, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so ironic. This was more of an Adam she got Smith. got into like yeah, dealing healing crystals? Or yeah, yeah. She, she, crystal and crystals. Both, <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she ended up in, uh, she yeah. ended up in uh, what's that? In between Phoenix and the Grand Canyon, Sedona. Sedona. (laughs) 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 The eighth ring of hell where no one should ever go. Sedona, Arizona. I I actually wanted to bring this up before. So, so far on the podcast, we've made fun of Chicago, Wisconsin, Boston, New York, New Jersey, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. Atlanta, Florida. I think I'm just saying Florida because I assume, but I don't remember. We made fun of all of the Confederacy when I listed off all the states that seceded, and went, "Those are all of the best states." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we made fun of all that. I feel like honestly, guys, we should just pick one or two and just go hard in the paint on those states, so that all the other states will like us. No, 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 no. I think instead we need to tick them all off. We need we need mm. to get to the point where we've made fun of every single. I'll tell you what. We only make fun of states that border other states. So no Hawaii <laughs> Alaska. or Alaska? Exactly. You okay. guys are safe. You guys are safe. But guess what, Ohio? Go fuck yourself. The Lax, whole state. Lax went to it's Michigan. on the board. We're against Ohio. Yeah, no. I, I, mean, I thought that was the first one up. That goes without saying. Lax did What's go to school in Michigan. What's our beef against Montana? What's that? What's our beef with Montana? The beef. It's too, it's too long. The beef. It's too, too wide. Long. It's too no. big. It should be like three states. But only four people live there, so I don't know how to do it. They put back, they reinstated a speed limit. I got beef with that. Well, there is the fact that it's illegal to marry anyone you're not related to, so that's (laughs) a tough part about Montana. Hey, You're more of a West Virginia guy, huh? Listeners from Montana, write in with your thoughts about that, whether you think that law is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Tell us about your personal story marrying someone in your family and how that went. Did your kids come out with like some sort of mutant power, like X Men, <laughs> or just googly eyes, and they didn't do great in school? You know what I mean. We want to know. So ironically, know. Bass Reeves had, <laughs> had <laughs> got to get this train back on the tracks. Okay. Uh, ironically, Bass Reeves had befriended Miss Star sometime around 1884. Yeah, he did. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he befriended the shit <laughs> again and again and again. Oh, Mr. Reeves, do you know that woman? I befriended her a time or two. I, f- I befriended her. 
You can so, tell the wee hours of the morning one time. So, which I can't do this voice. I can't do this so voice. I want to so bad. Is that your Florida voice? So, no, that's my Bass Reeves voice. Uh, yeah, so I'm a fond of standing gentleman who brings in a lot of fugitives and also befriends a lot of ladies. I befriend them long and deep. I've been told I befriended voice. a lady so I said I said I befriend I befriended a lady in such a way her toes curled. Okay, uh, so <laughs> I befriended her in such a way so she lost big. consciousness for a few minutes and then told all her friends how befriended she was. All right. So am, I done, no. am I done doing this yeah. voice? All right, podcast audience. Well, uh, my future and, cancel is in the scene. bank. <laughs> I was just playing a character. You can't be mad at me. All right. Let's get this train back on the track. So in September of 1885, a warrant was made out for her arrest uh, for one of the many crimes listed above. They're all cool Befriending. crimes, though. Can we agree all her crimes were pretty rad? Yeah. Um, uh, so... Yeah, harboring fugitives, selling illegal liquor—that was all. That's all pretty. Just like ah, I gotta live my life, and no one likes Confederates anymore. So I guess. Yeah. And my Native American husband was not enough of a victimless crime. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now Reeves attempted to let her know uh, of this situation and said that she should save them all some time and trouble and just turn herself in. Uh, if she did not, he was authorized to hunt her down. Listen, Ooh. on account of all the that we've done. <laughs> That's like the beginning of a role play scene. Uh, yeah. You got to do it the easy way or the hard yeah. way. <laughs> Listen, I'm awful grateful for the times you befriended me. I remember the one time you let me befriend you in the back. Uh, and so because of all that befriending, as good as it was, I got to warn you, there's a warrant out for you. So that night she flees town. Oh, that's good. Now Reeves immediately set off after her. Uh, and for a few months, she managed to stay ahead of him. But on January 21st, 1886, she turned herself in at Fort Smith. Ooh. When asked why she had done so, she is supposed to have said that she, quote, did not propose to be dragged around by some federal deputy, end quote. Now, Belle Starr died two days short of her 41st birthday on February 3rd, 1889. She was shot in the back while riding home from a friend's house. Her murder remains unsolved to Damn. this day. So there's a handful of... Uh, there was a man who was tried for her murder, but he was found not guilty. Okay. Uh, so it seems likely he did it. But there just wasn't enough evidence. But technically, we don't know. Was she gonna like roll on somebody? Because she's no, in the perfect I, position for that, like, so her to be a witness against other people. So apparently, the two main uh, suspects, the the man who was tried and found not guilty, was like a sharecropper from the region who she refused to dance with at a, like a mm, local dance, and that okay. he shot her Ugh. out of like that spite. Sounds about right. Yeah, I hate how like much that makes sense. And then the <laughs> other one is a stepson who she beat for abusing her favorite horse. Oh, okay. I was going to uh, say she beat him because she got stuck in a window, and he no. thought that meant something. <laughs> no. So part she was stuck in the dryer. And... <laughs> part three. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So 1884 was the last uh, untroubled year of Bass Reeves' life. 
in April. Untru- Doesn't he run around in the fucking wintertime <laughs> shooting people? Yes. All right. Fair enough. It's what, going what, to get worse. Gonna, like, it's going to get settle down and get an office job. Nope. <laughs> uh, so in April of that year, in April of that year, before he just before he met Bell Star, he was traveling across Indian territory with a party that included his 14 year old nephew, five prisoners in custody, all Native Americans charged with various crimes. Again, uh, they are charged under federal law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the families of one of the prisoners and his cook, a man named William Leach. One of his, the prisoner's cook? Yes. No, no, no. Uh, his cook. Oh, Bass's part, cook. Bass's okay, cook, okay. part of like the posse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but the family of one of the prisoners. And then Floyd Wilson uh, from the Webb arrest had been called away to do, uh, to another uh, assignment. Now on April 9th, while talking around the campfire, some sort of argument erupted, which ended with Bass Reeves shooting Leach in the neck with his rifle. Oh, dear. Mm. Leach died. Ooh. Now, why did this happen? So, according to the Grayson family, that is, one of the, the family of one of those prisoners, Reeves had insulted Leach's cooking, and Leach had responded by killing Reeves's dog. Reeves then shot him in the neck, and when Leach fell into the fire, <laughs> Reeves stamped out the flames on Leach's neck to the point where his head nearly came off. Jesus. Now, according to Reeves, it was an uh, accident. Like that John guy, Wick moment. Reeves was like, I trained those puppies to talk so they could save people in Adventure Bay. All right, you <laughs> just shot Marshall, the firefighting dog. Do you know how many people you've killed? <laughs> yeah. What? You shot Rubble. He can't be on the double anymore. All right, it's rubble on the double. Never mind, you guys. So God damn it. You're According bringing out to Paw Reeves, Patrol references. That's more Paw Patrol. That's relevant to maybe... Bass Reeves ran Paw Patrol. I don't know why that's so hard to believe. <laughs> so, according to Reeves, what happened was he was cleaning his rifle when it went off, uh, but the inquiry had to wait because Webb, Jim Webb, had gone missing. Again. Uh, he was cleaning his weapon and it just went off? Yes, that is not an unusual thing to it will it will it, sometimes happen yeah but like uh, you have to be doing it wrong who, for that to happen it's, I, it's so it, familiar with guns that sounds very unusual. it it is a thing that happens okay. I, it is uh, i wish i could say it didn't okay um, they didn't have safeties back then no they certainly didn't have safeties they didn't have safeties not in the oh. 1880s no um so in G- safety is not being in front of me <laughs> <laughs> yeah safety is the gun is unloading <laughs> yeah. um so in june of 1884 reeves and his posse tracked webb to the foothills of the arbuckle mountain range in modern day oklahoma now webb saw the posse and ran to his horse which was hipped, hitched up a few hundred yards away a hundred few hundred feet away sorry not hundred yards a few hundred feet away now reeves rode to intercept him so he's riding to get in between webb and his horse um, now, Webb fired four shots at the marshal. The first bullet took a button off of his coat. The second lodged in the saddle horn. The third clipped the bridle, detaching it from the horse. And the final shot buzzed past his ear. Now, needing to get off his scared horse, he can't control the horse anymore. Reeves has to get off the horse. Reeves dismounted and took his Winchester in hand. At a range of 1,500 feet, which is the bound shots, two of them connected with Webb's chest. Wow. When they made it to his body, they found that the bullet holes were less than an inch apart. <laughs> Damn, dude, that's some serious marksmanship. It is. It is 100. It is. It's almost unbelievable, to be well, perfectly honest. But in it, Webb's mean, defense, mm-hmm. he was aiming for uh, Bass's balls, and the saddle <laughs> horn got in the way. So, like, I was just like, I don't know. You know, it was really a, a match of masters. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
Now, Webb <laughs> is supposed to have made a deathbed confession, saying to Bass, quote, You are a brave, brave man. I want you to accept my revolver and scabbard as a present, and you must accept them. Take it, for with it I have killed eleven men, four of them in the Indian Territory, and I expected to make you the twelfth. Reeves's only statement on the shootout was, quote, Just another young gunslinger who died. He was real fast, but like a lot of them, he couldn't shoot both fast and straight. End quote. Uh, that's so, cool. Yeah, that's a pretty rad, like, like end of the action sequence, like, mm-hmm. gotta shoot fast and straight. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Good catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So after having dealt with Webb and Star, the law came for Reeves. Also, the bullet lodged in his saddle horn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so that seems not true. Like, you know. Like, no, that's the front of the saddle. No, I know. Yeah, but, yeah. So literally, like, the bullet was... Would have hit his silhouette. Yeah. He well, just and he got kind of lucky. Took a button off of his coat. Right, right. right? It, it detached the the reins. But that wouldn't be in his silhouette. Detaching the reins would. That particular bullet yeah. would have been within his silhouette, yeah. like death silhouette. It's like when somebody in war, they're like, "Oh my god, the death bullet silhouette. hit my fucking whiskey or the thing. Bible in my coat." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing. You know? I, I like that death silhouette. Sounds like a name of a metal band. New band name. I call one. it. I'll start one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All of our songs are going to be about. Bass Reeves. <laughs> he was the alpha man. He was black, but we didn't bring that up for any particular reason. I'm sorry about the last verse. I'm still learning and growing as a person. So the microphone, owning mistakes. At the end of January 1886, a warrant was put out for the arrest of Bass Reeves for the murder of William Leach. Reeves surrendered without a fight and bail was set at $3,000. It took months for Reeves to put together the money, but he eventually made bail on June 15th. He would now face an all-white jury for the murder of a white man. Mm. Wait, sorry, why was he... For the the death of William Leach, because remember that, that there was like the the oh, family of the off. people who the family of the, the prisoner prisoner said, was like he stomped his head off, or yeah, like, and like uh, shot him on purpose. Uh, yeah, okay, like uh, all right. And in trial, it came out that uh, apparently Bass had befriended that cook's sister, mother, <laughs> cousin, girlfriend, and wife. Uh, like, I'm sorry, I'm just a friend Sits of the guy. Street. So, so, befriending people left and right is what he liked Now, do. Reeves, part of the reason there's a delay is Reeves' previous boss hadn't pressed charges believing Reeves' story that it was an accident. However, the new U.S. Marshal was a former Confederate Army colonel who decided that Reeves was guilty. Huh. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's weird how that Well, happened. the preponderance of evidence is such that I hate I hate everything about American history sometimes. Like it just Yep. Question. Shoot. Let's hypothetically say a bunch of people in the twentieth century took a bunch of other people captive, mm-hmm. murdered them constantly, and then uh, forced them to work as slave laborers in, in factories. Hypothetically, if hypothetically speaking within the last hundred years. Would we kill them at war crimes trials? Would that possibly happen? Yeah. Every one of those motherfucker confederates should have gotten hanged. I don't care. I'm, you know what? Fucking hot take here hot, on Laughing hot, Historically. Hot, hot. If you had any position of power within that government, you should have gotten guillotined as far as I'm concerned. We'll so say you, anyone to 50% up. You, you, know, know? you know what's interesting is that uh, if... There's a, there's, a, there's a kind of an interesting sort of counterfactual is if this, this, there is a chance that the Civil War could have ended in 1862, in the summer of 1862, 
uh, General McClellan comes really close to taking Richmond, and mm-hmm. and the Western campaigns had been going really well. And there's an argument to be made that if McClellan had taken Richmond in the summer of 1862, that the Confederacy would have collapsed. That would have been before the Emancipation Proclamation, which means mm-hmm. Civil War ends without emancipation. Mm-hmm. I, guarantee, I, I can almost guarantee you that a lot of people would have been hanged if there hadn't been emancipation. Well, one, there would have been another civil war. Like, Maybe. it would have just been us yeah. kicking the can down yeah. the road yeah, again, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is why Lincoln yeah. didn't do that. But two, it would have been a temporary I do piece. want to, why? So, so the re- I, <clears throat> this is my personal theory, All right. which is that the reason the North didn't exact, the reason the free state or the, the, the loyal states didn't exact vengeance on uh, former Confederates, the reason they were, it was fine that they like, they, the topmost Confederates couldn't vote or hold office. Like, that is the extent of the, the vengeance taken. There's only mm-hmm. one person hanged uh, for it, and that is the... the oh, common... the person who oversaw that prison, right? Yeah, Andersonville, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andersonville Prison. And, and even there, it's kind of a railroad job. He's not a, an American Right, he's Austrian. He's oh yeah, he's <laughs> um, <laughs> like a scapegoat. He was a scapegoat. I, I think that. Listen, I think, I'm just doing some research for my country. I was just following orders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to know how to make prison really good, so I come to America to do experiments because that's what we Germans do. We experiment. Anyway, the point being that the reason, the reason I would say that. The North doesn't exact a, a, a the the U.S. doesn't exact a greater price on the Confederacy, is that the point of the war, the Confederacy's objective was to maintain slavery and and the society that it propped up, mm-hmm. and in 1865, no one could have looked around the South, and said, yeah, no, they they won. That wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. The the largest cities of the Confederacy had either been occupied or destroyed, or destroyed and occupied. So had they won in 62, killing them would have been like a... The oh, punishment. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're so, actually... This shows that we won because yeah. your leadership is dead. Exactly. So. We almost certainly like hanging Jefferson Davis and the Confederate cabinet and senior generals would have been the U.S. government stay, saying to southern states, to the seceded states, this is the price of rebellion. Mm-hmm. And instead in 1865, the price of rebellion was the destruction of your civilization. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. I think there was, was too much sympathy for them. Yeah, destruction of your civilization is pretty dramatic considering like a lot of them were still rich. Yeah. A lot of them still had property. And not everybody, obviously, oh, no, like, I a mean, lot of I fortunes would, I, were lost. But like, but, but, but like when you say like, oh, your civilization is... Cr-, like nobody had to learn another language. Nobody had to get moved from mm, like, you know what I mean? That's like, true. Like, but you also... I, and I, just to just to... Uh, yeah, and and I, I your think economy as you knew it we're, is crushed. I, I think fine. we're I think we're your biggest we're, asset. We're, we're we're doing too much hindsight. We're we're reading history backward. If you're in 1865, basically the entire planter class is is broke. They're they're done. Mm-hmm. They they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. They might still have land, but like you said, Lax, their largest asset doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. There's the fact that. During the period of radical reconstruction in the late 1860s and early 1870s, large portions of their land were taken away and mm. redistributed. There's the fact that large numbers that of much. but large numbers of southern states um, had basically 
The Republican Party, which before 1860 had never elected a single Mm -hmm. person to dog catcher in southern states, Mm -hmm. suddenly made up the entirety of southern states' congressional delegations, Mm -hmm. right? Like every single and multiple African Americans are being elected to Mm -hmm. the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. There uh, There are Republican majorities. Like Now, that being said, that being said... When Reconstruction ends, almost the moment federal troops are withdrawn from the South, which mm-hmm. happens in 1877, and our story is in 1886, the moment federal troops are withdrawn from the South, you start having the movement towards what we call Jim Crow. Redeemers. But a lot of the Jim well, Crow the laws... Well, you have the Klan reemerges, but the Klan had reemerged during Reconstruction. Yeah, it had right. been crushed. And who... who- who made up the Klan? Former it, Confederates. Right. For, and not just former Confederates, the first and second iteration of the Klan were former Confederate Klaners. officers. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, the form, they form, they, they form the, the, the cohort of leadership. Absolutely. And they were the same people who did the slave catching, the same mm-hmm. people who did not necessarily the overseeing overseeing, yeah. but like the yeah. overseeing of the overseers. They were all the same fucking class of people. Yeah. And because they didn't actually get punished in a serious like generationally they did, they, traumatic way they, didn't they just get, kept no they, the they got punished no, they did get punished in a generational way what they didn't get punished in was a personal way well that okay then, that, then, that then is then a difference semantics right because, no no but it isn't because again the south in 1870 looks nothing like the south did in 1850 mm-hmm. right like you have within two censuses right from 1850 to 1870 the south looks very different in 1870 than it did in 1850. Now, by 1880 and 1890, it looks a lot more like it did in 1850. Mm-hmm. I will grant you that. But again, that is not because of... It is, It is again, the idea that Reconstruction, which is essentially a military occupation, mm-hmm. and this would be the argument that a military occupation can only succeed if it murders a large number of people. Right, because there's also part of the reason. Again, practically speaking, not a large number of people, just the right ones. <laughs> but but again, practically speaking, uh, Jefferson Davis was arrested for treason mm-hmm. and was kept in prison for like two or three years before they just sort of let him go. Mm-hmm. And the reason he they didn't try arrest, him, right? No, he was he was kept in Fortress Monroe, which is like near modern day Norfolk. Uh, he was kept in a in a in an army prison. But the reason they they never brought it to trial was that constitutionally he would have had to have been tried in Richmond mm-hmm. by a jury made up of people from Richmond. Yeah. And the federal government went because even if they could deliver a guilty verdict, which was already, they were like, what if there's jury nullification? He'd have to take the stand. He'd have to make the argument for why secession was legal. And the federal government didn't want to have to mm-hmm. have that argument. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is easy. I think with hindsight to say, there should have been a much sterner, much more punitive end to the Civil War. Again, Lincoln is not anticipating being shot. I think if Lincoln isn't shot, you get through Reconstruction in a more... Reconstructive way, in a more, in a, yeah, in a more reconstructive way, in a not. Hey, we're just gonna go back to so, the way it exactly was. So anyway, this is an episode about Bass Reeves, right? Yeah. So <laughs> getting back to him. So, so this former Confederate. That's colonel, why you're the host, baby. <laughs> so this former Confederate colonel decides that Reeves is guilty, uh, and the press did their best to whip it up as a sensational story. Well, at least he was objective. Yeah, it, uh, it's definitely this story would have been better if somebody would have hung him. Anyway, go yeah. on. So they 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 accused without evidence. 
Reeves of holding, quote, kangaroo courts and of, quote, extorting sums of money from prisoners for small imaginary offenses. Again, they don't back that up with anything. Mm -hmm. So the trial begins on October 11th, 1887, with Judge Parker presiding. Now, Judge Parker was, we talked about him in the first uh, the first part. He's the, the hanging judge. Uh, now, Mrs. Grayson... And another one of the prisoners uh, served as the proce- uh, the two of the prosecution's 11 witnesses. The mm. prosecution brings 11 witnesses. At this point in time, had Bass befriended them? <laughs> I was just wondering. All right. So in the beginning, it looked like their testimony proved the version of events where Leach and Reeves had had an argument that ended with Reeves shooting him. However, when cross-examined, Mrs. Grayson stated that she had seen Reeves attempting to dislodge a cartridge from his rifle with a pocket knife, which would seem to suggest that It was an accident. Mm -hmm. The inconsistencies of the prosecution's witnesses, combined with witnesses testifying to Reeves' integrity and honesty, the jury returned a verdict of not guilty on October 15th, 1887. All-white jury. An all-white jury found him not guilty. Hey, hey, if that proves one thing, it (laughs) proves white people will do the right thing when we don't have any other options. (laughs) (laughs) When there's no other possible path to take, we will... Do the right thing. So now while the right doctor history. Yes. It reminds me of the Winston Churchill quote about America. America America will always do the right thing after after it's it's done everything everything else. else. (laughs) So while the case had been won, it had left him broke. Reeves was making by 1887, $3,000 to $5,000 per year compared to the national average of a deputy U S marshal of about $500 per year. So he's making a lot because he's, a machine. He just goes out and mm-hmm. serves uh, witness, uh, serves subpoenas and, and, and that that one trial just wiped him out. Yeah, wow. it does. The cost of his lawyers had left him with almost no money. <laughs> he had lawyers, he had man. hired he had hired some like a lot of former prosecutors ended up being his defense attorneys mm-hmm. because yeah. he had worked with these yeah, guys. They, they knew, knew him. Well, yeah. uh, he was well liked by like the legal mm-hmm. establishment mm-hmm. of Fort Smith. Yeah. Um, I've worked with Mr. Reeves for quite a few years now, and I have to say he's a trustworthy man. Uh, he's come over quite a few times while I hid in the closet and befriended my <laughs> wife. And honestly, uh, I, he's never told a soul how many times he befriended my wife in front of me, and I shook his hand like a brother afterwards. Thank you, Mr. Reeves. So he, befriended my he wife. He sold his he sold his home and moved into a much smaller cabin. Uh, he would never be able to recoup his losses. Damn. That fucking sucks. That's God awful. damn it. So by 1893, how long was this trial? Uh, it was the actual trial is only about a week. And but that wiped them out. It did. Lawyers are expensive. I found this Even out back then. Yeah. Well, Lax doesn't know how expensive lawyers are because he always gets the family <laughs> discount, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is so very funny. In a, by 1893, Reeves. I mean, lawyers are fucking expensive. Yeah, they are. They you know triple digits per hour. But I, I mean, I thought maybe. Back no. then, there was mm-hmm. like, you know... Always been expensive. The cent, uh, one cent, two cents, and that I've, I've heard the phrase from a lot of people in my life, um, public pretender, right? Because it's like, it basically, the idea is if you get pinched and you have to get a public, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, you're ba- yeah. like, unless you're like way innocent for whatever reason, you're, you're fucked, yeah. right? And at the point that you're so innocent that a public defender could like get you acquitted... 
some other lawyer is going to be like, all right, I'm going to get you acquitted and also sue a bunch of people and we're both going to make a bunch of money. So like the public defender is already out of the picture. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's fucked. So by 1893, wow. Reeves had relocated his family to Paris, Texas uh, to work. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Almost Reeves. Just, you were one, <laughs> you were you one were. hemisphere <laughs> off. Dude. Rock Paris, dude. Come on. Uh, Next you're going to go to Hollywood, Florida. Come on, dude. So he, was, he moved there to work from the federal Federal New court. York. Uh, he he uh, moved, there was a federal the federal court moved there from Fort Smith mm-hmm. in Arkansas, and it seemed to be the end of his first. His wife Nellie, uh, Nellie Jenny, no older than forty six, passed away. Oh, she had been the love of his life. Uh, then uh, his friend Judge Parker. Did he have kids? He had like eleven or twelve kids. Oh, we, we he had a lot of kids. This before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his friend Judge Parker dies in in uh, the same year in eighteen ninety six. Oh shit! He had a bunch of kids. Could you imagine he comes home after like a trip? I was like, oh honey, what did you do on the trip? Shot three racists. <laughs> just, just like, kids go outside. Everybody go outside right now. Pass um, <laughs> rules. All right. And and Reeves had said of Parker. So Parker dies that year. Reeves had said of him quote he was a mighty powerful man that had done a lot of good according to what the bible said uh he sure know him some bible you know he was named after the old prophet prophet isaac end quote so again he uh reeves is a very religious individual Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and he and parker had been good friends and then finally the supreme court handed down their second worst decision plessy versus ferguson which gave rise to the doctrine of separate but equal Reeves's day in federal service were now numbered. Hmm. So Reeves was part of a generation of black people who felt the most betrayed by Jim Crow. They had been young when slavery had been abolished and felt that the sky was the limit to their future progress. Mm-hmm. Many had gone into federal service, yeah. in the army, in law mm-hmm. enforcement, and yeah. in civil yeah. service for a chance to enter the middle class. Yeah. Now an unelected board of judges had unilaterally decided that progress would stop and indeed, sounds familiar. Backward. Yeah, that's so I weird. I don't think yeah. there's any modern parallels. Mm-mm. None at all. Mm-mm. Moving right along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, things change, but they somehow stay the same. Yeah. Interesting enough, things do change a little bit. Um, there's a change in the sense that Nixon's dead, and we can all be happy about that. <laughs> Another gin and tonic. <laughs> Another gin and tonic for me, please. Huh? Somehow Kissinger doesn't die. No, Kissinger <laughs> will be alive many years longer. You must understand, uh, Mr. President, uh, it is not within the national interest for me to pass away. <laughs> you'll it's notice, not a bad Kissinger voice, huh? You'll notice when Henry talks to you like that, that a little bit of your insides die. <laughs> not the part of your intestines that's killed by gin. <laughs> <laughs> the part of your heart that's killed by fascists pretending not to be. Uh, mm. This, is and this has been another monologue by Sir Winston Churchill. <laughs> I'm not a fascist. I'm an imperialist. And that's better. I promise. <laughs> This is no longer a productive area of discussion. <laughs> so Bass... Do you know it's not a productive area? Oh, now I'm doing Nixon. Uh, shit, I'm like, <laughs> it's not a productive area, Henry. Your fucking testicles. Hasn't produced anything since 1941. Not the last time, Henry. Now quit pinching my ass. I'm tired of it. So I want a sitcom. <laughs> Henry Kissinger and Nixon. Our roommates. Yeah, roommates. Like, It'll be like... 
It'll be like it's always honey in Philadelphia, except with collateral damage. We will spend three weeks not being in Laos. Anyway, so Baff's got... I don't even know where that place is. (laughs) Henry just talks and I say, okay, Henry, whatever you say. You do not need to know, Mr. President. Just keep the fucking Democrats out of my dirty country and we're fine. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And one day, Henry, I'll tell you what my kink is. And I promise you, you will never guess. So, back to Bass Reeves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to have, a, this, this is either going to be the most fun uh, edit you've ever done, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a waking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure which one. But anyway, Bass got a brief reprieve. I'll drink. At the, turn, <laughs> at the turn of the century, when he married a 50-year-old Cherokee widow named Winnie J. Sumter, wow. he gained a stepdaughter to add to the 11 children he had had with Nellie. Oh, uh, the reprieve was short-lived. He was soon called to take on the most difficult case of his life. A warrant was issued for his son. Oh, jeez. In the summer of 1902. He's like, no, number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, seven did what? <laughs> He should have been more like four. (laughs) So in the summer of 1902... Benny Houston. Catholics, you know what I mean, Adam? <laughs> you know, yeah. fucking Catholics yeah. with all their, oh, just and all their kids, shooting man. them kids out. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Can't even keep track. Wasn't he wasn't Catholic? No. Oh, I thought he was Catholic. No. It's just, I, I, it never mentioned what denomination of Christianity he was, oh, okay. but I imagine... The one went, that doesn't wear condoms. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer of 1902, Benny Houston Reeves found his wife in bed with another man. He beat his wife's lover to death with his bare hands and then shot his wife. Oh, man. I was all up until... I was on his side until death then shot his wife. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. All right. You the US, t- the wait, US... he caught his wife with another man. Yes, and then beat mm. the other man to death and then mm. shot his wife. Wow. What was his first name? Benny. Ah, I was hoping it was Joe. They'd be like, where are you going with that gun in your hand? <laughs> <laughs> so the U.S. Marshal came to Bass with the news of the warrant and said he would give it to a deputy who would make sure to bring Benny back alive. Reeves thanked him for the courtesy, but said, quote, give me the writ, end quote. If someone was going to bring in his son, it was going to be him. It took him no more than two weeks to find Benny. He was asleep in his tent when his mountain of a father stood over him saying, quote, you are no more my son. You committed a crime and I have a warrant in my pocket for you to bring you in dead or alive. And I'm going to take you in today, one way or the other. You come out with your hands up, or else your whole body will go down. God damn, damn, that's some biblical shit. Mm-hmm. A, he seems like, I mean, I'm joking about all his befriendings and whatnot, but like he does seem like a very principled person. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. like he bought into Reconstruction, right? He bought yeah, into yeah. like, all right, yeah. I'm going to believe in the law because this like... This new era me, yeah. of America, the law might actually like if I can be a. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a. a um, if like I a, if I play by the rules and do my yeah, time, if I can will be if better. I can be a perfect example of this, yeah. right? They can't keep things from me. They can't. Yeah. And it turns out <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. White America's like, no, fuck you. It's just like, so wait, uh, what? 
well, I'm sorry, Bass. We were distracted. <laughs> we were at we had a nice Import. 25-year interlude. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we were at Bed Bath and Beyond, and we got distracted. And our Volvos, <laughs> and uh, we drove yeah, around. And we yeah. came here in a Subaru. Yeah. <laughs> after stopping at, you know, uh, to yeah. get a chai like, latte. We would love to help you, Bass. Love, but love, love. There, love. There is a sale at LL Bean that we just cannot <laughs> miss. I need to get another bandana for my golden retriever. So Benny Benny came willingly, and when asked where and by whom he was arrested, he answered, quote, Muskogee by Bass Reeves, my father, who was deputy marshal, end quote. He was found guilty and sent to Fort Leavenworth, uh, Bass, despite disowning... It's Oklahoma, right? Because that's yeah. still a prison, and it's oh, and still a, and, rough, and, Yeah, right? and an army base. Yeah, yeah. it's a... So, or Kansas, it's in Kansas. Oh, it's Fort in Leavenworth Kansas? Because Leavenworth is like one of those prisons that's got like a reputation. Yeah. Like you it used to be it. an army prison. Uh, you know, the old jokes are like, you know, you'll end up in Leavenworth for mm-hmm. this. Um, so Bass, despite own, disowning his son in the moment, visited him on a regular basis. Benny was released after 12 years on good behavior, and there is hmm. no record of him committing another crime. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's actually kind of like yeah, that's actually a lot like, more, you know. I mean, it sucks that, that I'm sure he broke 500,000 rocks while he was in there or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm sure it sucked. But like, yeah, came mm-hmm. in. And again, it's Bass Reeves being like this is what happened. This is the law. If you follow it, things might not I mean, turn out that bad. And that you was know? like what? Early 20th century. That was like yeah. the height yeah. of yeah. US racism. I'm surprised. Yeah. 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 Uh, in a disturbing sign of the times, Reeves confronted and stopped a lynch mob in the Cherokee Territory. Reeves got the man out of the noose and took him to a local sheriff's office to protect him. Um, it is unclear. That is where <laughs> well, that story ended. Well. So we can extrapolate from there. Mm-hmm. But um, in 1907, Oklahoma was admitted to the United States as the 45th, 46th state in the Union. With this change in jurisdiction, two forces converged to effectively end Bass Reeves' career. First, the transition from federal to state authority meant there was no longer a need for so many deputy U.S. Marshals. Second, Oklahoma enforced strict racial segregation laws. Mm. So Reeves, at 69, took up a job as a beat cop in Muskogee in the Muskogee Police Department. He remained at that job until late 1909 when he retired due to ill health. He died on January 10th, 1910, of kidney failure. I mentioned that Reeves, uh, that Bass had had 11 children. This means he, that he has a lot of descendants. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, he is the great uncle of a man of Paul L. Brady, the first black man appointed as a federal administrative law judge in 1972. Wow. He is the great great grandfather of former NFL player Willard Reeves, hmm. who played running back for Washington in Miami and who is currently living in Canada. Huh. Through Willard, he is the great-great-great-grandfather of Toronto Maple Leafs player Ryan Reeves and Edmonton Elks, which is a Canadian football team, player Jordan Reeves. Well, no, wow. Toronto Maple Leafs are a hockey team. They are. No, so the, the Maple the Leafs hockey player is his great-great-great-grandson, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, the Edmonton Elks were a Canadian football team. Mm-hmm. Another one of his great-great-great-grandsons. Wow. Damn. One there. of his great-great-grandsons is actually the top cricket player, uh, <laughs> top rugby player. Top, honestly, they're just taking all the white sports. Like, all the... There's, he's, there's a water, water polo player in there. Well, and, um, and, they, pickleball. They picked up pickleball now. And just crushed all just of those senior run, citizens yeah, in Arizona. Run them off the court, man. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 
I'm one of the things is is that the I named my paddle Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to serve you. Yeah. Um, but don't worry, I'll befriend you after. <laughs> so the following quote, and this uh, and this is to your point, Conan. You were mentioning this earlier. Uh, the following quote is attributed to Bass Reeves. It is possible that he did not say it, but it certainly sums up his view of his profession. Quote. Maybe the law ain't perfect, but it's the only one we got. And without it, we've got nothing. And Bass Reeves said that? Yes, he is supposed to have said that. It's so not an anarchist. <laughs> no. So, and, and one of the things with his life in particular that is really fascinating and frustrating, just from a historiographical point of view, is that we know this person existed, clearly, right? Like, we have photographs of him. Yeah. Uh, we have records of him as a U.S. Deputy Marshal. But because he With was... his fucking DNA in every all 50 states, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but, because, but because he was functionally illiterate, oh, he... Right. We have... He doesn't leave a journal. We don't he know his thoughts. He doesn't leave letters. Mm -hmm. So what we have is we have really uh, abstract document that are federal government documents, basically like arrest warrants that say that Bass Reeves served them, right? Mm. And no more context than that. Mm. There are some government documents that are reports of him, you know, saying he would dictate his Make reports. Statements. He would dictate reports to his deputies to be like, hey, this is what happened. And then... Everything else is someone else talking about him. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, a lot of the quotes, a lot of these quotes are coming from newspaper articles around the time of his retirement and death, like because they're from like the local newspaper because like he's like a local celebrity, mm -hmm. right? You know, he was the first U.S. black deputy marshal, and now he's a policeman, mm -hmm. and then yeah. he you know, retires and then he dies. And it's like the, the, but these are articles being written in 1909, 1910 mm -hmm. about things that had happened like in his life 30 years 20, before. 30 years ago, yeah. So it's hard. There to was see. a lot of like, did I shoot that yeah, guy? Yeah. But, <laughs> it's not, but it's, but it's misremembering. Also, it's not necessarily him talking. It's other people talking yeah. about him. Yeah, like, especially yeah, yeah. for like the it's stuff distorted that distorted a little yeah. bit. Are you well, or just misremembered or, or exaggerated with time. And yeah. so it's hard to tell where, things start and end and and sort of what we can definitely tell is that he's very dedicated and that he <coughs> was sort of this squeaky clean mm -hmm. sort of paragon of the law mm -hmm. right like he never wore a condom apparently no no he did not <laughs> so lessons <laughs> but, uh, well, but like in in the paragonness i find really interesting because it's like i could see how possibly no other marshal had the like societal carrots and sticks around them to have to be a paragon like that yeah right like yeah. it's i mean you hear about it all the time or whatever barack obama had this mm -hmm. as president right you remember the tan suit yeah the I mean, greatest, you, the greatest yeah. scandal oh, any yeah. president yeah, has yeah. ever committed was wearing a, a beige, you know, a, a khaki beige suit or whatever. Right, right. And so it's like he, for whatever squeaky cleanness he was, I'm sure a lot of it was his his own personal principles yeah. and, and whatnot, obviously. But like part of it is just like... He had to be twice as good to be yeah. just as good. Like what was it when they integrated baseball the first time? Yeah. Uh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie Robinson. They didn't pick the best player mm -hmm. in, the, in the black leagues, right? They mm -hmm. picked the one that they thought could put up with the most shit yeah. who was like the most level headed because yeah. they were like well that's how it's gonna fucking go you know? yeah. yeah so here are, here are some of my my lessons so are we at the lessons we're portion? at the lessons i have yeah. two okay. lessons wait all right you pick you do one lesson but 
You go first. Oh, me go first? Yeah, you go the, first. All right, I'm going to guess one lesson. I'm going to guess. Hmm. Black people should never be 5 0. Okay. That's <laughs> Don't trust Whitey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Labs is more right. Damn it. So, one, uh, there was an opportunity through reconstruction and the vehicle of the federal government to, ex- uh, to attempt to expunge the stain of slavery. By allowing people into well-paying federal jobs regardless of race, there was an opportunity to create an integrated black middle class that was beginning to come into its own just as Plessy versus Ferguson uh, was handed down, right? So there's sort of this argument that if you had sort of continued on the track you were going on, was life were, were race relations in the 1870s great? No, but again, we have to compare it to the 1850s, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's sort of the last decent period of time we can compare it to. If we had continued on that track, there's you can make an argument that yeah. things would have been a lot better off. Mm-hmm. It was uh, on a certain trajectory. Yeah. And, and Plessy versus Ferguson is this big break on that. And then the second one is that discrimination is a, uh, is a luxury of a stable society. And it, this is, this is, a, oh, this is a theory of mine. For the 30 years that Bass Reeves worked in the Western District, there was not enough competent people to be picky about the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Once the situation on the frontier settled down, racial discrimination roared back. A similar situation occurred with regard to... So, like, they didn't have anyone better. Yeah, well, it it isn't just that they didn't have anyone better. It's that when when you're in a life-or-death situation, like, when everything is precarious, you can't be picky. If the the best person to do the job happens to be not the same as you, you can't be picky about it. Mm You can only be picky about that when it, the stakes are low enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you can see a similar, uh, a, a similar situation occur with regard to women's rights during both the American Revolution and World War II. Uh, at a time of crisis, the society as a whole cannot afford their petty prejudices. But with the return of peace and relative prosperity, the clock is turned back on gender equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, like again, with the American Revolution, there are examples of women who disguise themselves as men during yep. the American Revolution mm-hmm. who fought in the army. And there are further examples of state and federal governments granting to them pensions mm-hmm. as veterans of the American Revolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that same, those same governments going, but we're not going to like let women in the army. Even yeah, though yeah. these women they proved they could it. be in the... And they recognized that they were women who were in the army. Mm-hmm. They recognized that like one of them had been wounded in combat. Mm-hmm. Like, So somehow the government managed to, do, managed to have it both ways, right? They were like, yes, we will recognize your service, giving you the pittance of a, a military pension in the 1800s, which mm-hmm. is basically nothing. <clears throat> and at the same token, but no, we're not going to like... Even though you proved that that could work, we're not going to like let yeah, women yeah. be in the army. And, it was still and, exception to the rule as opposed yeah. to the rule. And and with World War II, very clearly, right, women being allowed into jobs, right, yeah. and then the moment the war ends, it almost went more reactionary the other way because there were a lot more women employed before the war oh, yeah. in like like kind of you know obviously unemployment was huge and stuff like that, yeah. but like the having you know there was a lot of women in factories and things like that, but mm-hmm. the 
amount of money mm-hmm. America had post World War II versus pre World War yeah. II. Big difference. Basically meant like, well, women don't have to work anymore, so yeah. like they're all gonna go home. Now. Well, and uh, you know, and also women had a large role in frontier culture. Like, oh yeah, they, absolutely. Where they uh, right. gave yeah. them the right to vote. Wasn't it like Wyoming, Mon- Montana, Montana, and Montana is the first to elect a woman to Congress, mm-hmm. Jeanette Rankin, mm-hmm. uh, who is. Uh, I, she is an interesting character. Uh, she is elected to Congress two different times. Who? Uh, Jeanette Rankin. She's from uh, Montana, I believe. She was elected in 1916, and she was elected in 1940. Wow. Those are the two times she went to Congress. In both cases, she's being elected to Congress from you know rural Montana in the middle of a world war as a pacifist, mm-hmm. right? She is elected on a platform in both 1916 and in 1940 of, wow. I am in a pacifist. 1940, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's still alive. She was relatively young when she was elected in 1916. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like, I am, I am going to keep America out of the war. That was her promise to her constituents. Mm-hmm. And she is the only person to vote both against declaring war on Germany in 1917, and she is the only vote against declaring war on Japan wow. in 1941. Really? She is the only member of the House of Representatives <sighs> to vote no. After Pearl Harbor? That's why she got voted out. She gets voted out yeah, in 1918 yeah. and in 1942 <laughs> for exactly the same Jeez. reason, which is she was elected to do something. She said, I am going to keep us out of the war. I am a pacifist. She was. You know, she made facts no... Facts changed on the ground, you know. She made no bones about it. And then her constituents went, but now there is a war, so you should probably go. You should have voted the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. But yeah, so that's crazy. But yeah, but you're absolutely right that women were were vital to frontier, and they were not just like the frontier. We need to be more. uh, It's not as though the frontier started at the Mississippi. Like Mm -hmm. there's this argument during the American Civil War, for instance. you know, m- the vast majority of Americans during the Civil War, both North and South, are farmers. That is, mm-hmm. that is the overwhelming. Yeah, like Illinois was the frontier. But, but even you know what I mean. But like, even if you were to like go into upstate New York, mm-hmm. it is still very rural, very agricultural. So, women's roles in on farms they change during the Civil War, but only in the sense that they now have to do twice as much work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like they're doing all of the work they did on the farm and now they're doing all of the work their husband had done mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or their father had done mm-hmm. on the farm uh, now that they're in the army, right? Uh, it, it, their life, they, it, it's one of those things where it's almost like uh, there had been a relatively even distribution of labor on farms mm-hmm. in the middle of the 1800s. There had to be. Because you yeah. couldn't make yeah. it, because again, you, you, you couldn't do it otherwise. So there is a, when, when Civil War veterans return home, there isn't the same reaction that there is in World War II because mm-hmm. it's more along the lines of, of wives are like, finally, you're home. I need, I need someone to help me run this farm. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. We need, we, uh, I've been carrying all of the, the weight of, of, mm-hmm. the, of, of farm labor mm-hmm. for the last two or three yeah. years or however long. Um, yeah. Whereas with factory work, yeah. you just it's sort of... Zero sum. Yeah, you just, you've cycled one workforce out, the women workforce right. out well, and cycled the male workforce in. But even that, like, mm-hmm. and obviously there were still lots of women garment workers oh, after yeah. World War II, but like the, the simple fact of the matter is mechanization mm-hmm. and like electrification, mm-hmm. for instance, like got yeah. a huge shot in the arm during World War II and a lot yep. of role play. Like all of these things made everything so much more efficient and mm-hmm. like your average household yeah. Had so much more income, right? Yeah. Especially amongst, I think, actually, mainly amongst the white middle class. Oh, it absolutely. Didn't really go beyond yeah. that. But like, so a lot of 
it was like, well, you don't have to work. Oh, yeah. No. And that's right. It was like, this is better for the fan. Like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, like, oh, this is traditional gender roles. So do it. It was more like, oh. It was both. Well, right, right. So what it is, is you are able to bring the the gender roles of white middle class people from the late 1800s can now can now be applied to white working class people in the 1950s right because you have the wealth to yes. allow it yeah. um, uh, because again you're you're because again to go off of that it's absolutely correct that working class women had always been employed right yeah. in the, like the 1800s like that yeah. was always some there was always a job that they had to be doing you know the mm-hmm. idea of women not working was a the preserve middle class and upper class mm-hmm. folks. Mm-hmm. Um, now women were always paid less and there was always the assumption that they would only sort do of certain work, do certain work or that until they would, it was time to start having children. Yeah. To, then, until they got married. Right. But until then even, you, even if you were a local working class, you'd get married, have children and you still might end up doing shit. Yeah. In or, the factory, or you would do, or you're just busting your ass at home. Or yeah, you would do piecework, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, you would, you know, a lot of garment work yes, was, was at home. yeah. You do it at home or yeah. whatever cottage yeah. industry. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is interesting how like if if you don't right because like if you're looking at say like a materialist uh, uh, view right mm-hmm. of of history, you'd say, oh well, obviously more a higher degree of material wealth and material comfort for your average person in a lot of ways will increase equality mm-hmm. right but you're kind of saying that at least initially there's a reaction to that and i think probably a lot of like uh materialist dialectical thinkers would agree that there's a reactionary backswing right where you're like oh okay well now that we have enough money and security we don't need to hire black marshals so we're just not gonna Right, yeah. and now now we're going to segregate them. Now we're going to push them into yeah. a chunk of the society well, because we have the the leeway to do it. But then you can, at the same time, you look at Black Wall Street, right? Yeah. Like it, it that same in Oklahoma, that that same economic prosperity mm-hmm. eventually then catches up to the reactionaries again. When you're mm-hmm. like, oh wait, all these people have a bunch of money and stuff, and we have to like take ma- we actually have to physically or like forcefully, coercively do things yeah. against it. So it's, it's just interesting. I, it is, I mean, and it's just one of those things where, again, what it, what it does tend to, to demonstrate, I guess what, what I was struck by in this and what I've been struck by in, in, in other things is... A smooth criminal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you said it twice. <laughs> is that, is again, just the, 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 basic, the basic principle being that like, people are people and, it doesn't really matter, and and this becomes evident in times of crisis, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, Kuna, you and I have talked about like uh, people. Uh, any any person can be taught to fire a rifle, and any person, will, every single person, will have exactly the same reaction to being hit in the chest with a bullet. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like, it does not matter what religion that person is. It doesn't matter what ethnicity they are. Mm-hmm. They it, that always had that that is always the way that is and you can make the same argument in terms of like your house is on fire who can carry a bucket of water mm-hmm. right it mm-hmm. can be uh you know we need to dig up hole every person can pick up a shovel right mm-hmm. like so when but it's who society has kind of like pushed in per- mm-hmm. particular directions at particular times well actually you might find this interesting but i've what? talked about this a lot i think it was a harvard president i forget but it was like tw- early turn of the 20th century 
and he has this paper that he publishes about like the superiority of different races, right? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. very like eugenics. Type. Yeah, eugenic e time. And he has this line and it was like, because of their natural ferocity and their like bestial nature, they're clearly better at basketball and boxing <laughs> than all the white people. And I was like, Jesus Christ. He was talking about Jewish people. Yeah, 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 because yeah. at the turn of the 20th <laughs> yeah, century, there were, were huge groups of immigrant Jewish people from Eastern yeah. Europe, and they're like, how the fuck can we get out of this <laughs> shitty part of town? Boxing and yeah, basketball. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't, it's just carrots and sticks, man. Uh, and sticks. Let me ask you, what was your favorite uh, Bass Reeves story or mm. quirk or something like interesting about him that we learned? Hmm. I like that his rifle sometimes goes off prematurely. <laughs> Is that weird to say? <laughs> no, I, I gotta say that shot, that shot he made. Yeah, right. That's, that's so dope. fucking Hollywood. Yeah, just like two so bullets Hollywood. at fifteen hundred yards. Yeah, yeah he fucking licks his finger, he's, like holds like, it up yeah, to the wind, yeah. like mm-hmm, yeah. and then just <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost getting hit in the groin. Yeah, and yeah. Being yeah. Uh, deflected so. by a. The saddle? The saddle? I may, his saddle horn was just his name for his own dick. <laughs> it just deflected off the fucking sheer I, I force like, of it. I like the... the pew, pew. I like the, uh, the standoff. Is the, the fact that his, his posse man doesn't do anything. So he subdues <laughs> one guy by himself. Shoots the other the guy other. shoots at him twice and misses. And he still pulls out a gun and, and, and shoots the other it's guy dead. Badass. Like that, that part uh is is very like i don't like that part as much as i like the really awkward horse ride back <laughs> like, <laughs> floyd what the fuck well, come on <laughs> floyd just sitting there like yeah bass man i just something happened in my head and i just froze mm-hmm. <laughs> i hope we can work together again in the future bass this didn't like put too much of a sully on our relationship mm-hmm Bass, that doesn't seem like a huge answer. You didn't really give me an answer there. Mm-hmm. Like it just the whole oh, just God. Awkward It'd be like ride home. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like uh, yeah. It'd be like if you teamed up with uh, Tiger Woods at a like a celebrity golf thing and just ate shit the whole time <laughs> and you got like last play like like tiger wins just barely because he shot a fucking 12 or whatever <laughs> you know like a literally impossible number and it just the whole time wow sure good sure glad you were on my team there tiger mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I, I, I no, like let's go drink i don't want to go home my fucking swedish wife's gonna swing at me with a golf club. i like uh um the the image of Bass Reeves standing over his son, putting the fear of God into him as he banishes him, essentially <laughs> to ban it, like to arrest him his, in. Yeah. Well, he's just like, "You're not my son anymore. <laughs> like, I'm just disowning yeah. you." Like, I just, I, I, I feel like it's gonna be a very dramatic moment whenever they show that in the show. Some <laughs> like, of that's got to be apocryphal though, because he still visited him every day. That's not a "You're not my son" well, kind I, of thing. I Maybe get, it's because the kid went back and faced his shit. You I know also, what I, mean? I also think it's probably a like. Heat of in the, the moment. moment, yeah, it's a heat of the moment thing. Like he clearly, heat of the moment. yeah, Sorry. you know, Asia, <laughs> great. Uh, Today is the... the first day I've ever regretted befriending your mother. No, <laughs> <laughs> so no, but I, but I think that I think that it, it's it's absolutely like the way they describe the story of the the head U.S. marshal coming into him to be like, you know, normally we'd give this to you, but we're gonna give this warrant to someone else mm-hmm. and i promise to like 
pick someone who I trust to, to, to do it right. And, you know, the frame of mind you have to be in to be like, no, I will track yeah, down my I'm, own I'm, son. Yeah. I'm sure he was pissed. He's like the Michael Jordan of U.S. Marshals, right? <laughs> I mean, basically. I, I don't. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like he's probably the best U.S. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. All right. He's a goat. So Great. Get the goat. Yeah. yeah. We should do um, a Bass Reeves Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just down. shoots the other team. <laughs> no, no. It's just that it's aliens are all outlaws on an alien planet, and him and Bugs Bunny and apparently Lola Bunny, who's hot. I guess. <laughs> uh, they gotta, you know, be marshals or whatever. We should have brought him back to hunt down Wesley Snipes. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I can, I can. Wesley, <laughs> I've hunt. I have a writ in my hand for hunting you down for the crime of dyeing your hair blonde in Demolition Man. <laughs> Everyone told you not to do it, and you did it anyway. <laughs> and also for your terrible acting in all three Blade movies, <laughs> it wasn't good. Pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this this little piddling bit at the bottom about not paying your yeah, taxes. Yeah, like, that's like, line. like Wesley Snipes' fucking lawyer was just like, Wesley, you gotta pay your you gotta pay your fucking taxes. What if you're famous? <laughs> Even if you're famous, there's, apparently there's a joke of like, here's a tax tip: if you spend all of your money, you can't be taxed for it. That's false. <laughs> I know that's it's very the, false. The, it's like I think from SNL, oh. they have someone playing Wesley Snipes. And he's like, here's a financial tip: oh. if you spend all of your money, the IRS can't take it because it's gone. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That might. Have, that sounds like a Californians uh, uh, episode of SNL when they do the anyway. All right, what do you think, anyway, guys? Yeah. Is that any other thoughts? Last comments? All right. Well, that's our episode, the second part of the two-parter of the Bass Reeves episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if you like this episode, please uh, follow us on social media. We got Laughing Hist at Laughing Hist, H-I-S-T, on Instagram and Twitter slash X. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, definitely hate, subscribe. Hate Oh, uh, definitely subscribe, and definitely if you can leave a five-star. Five-star reviews are definitely the way that we kind of get traction in the podcast SEO world. So thank you, listeners, for... um, All right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's our show. Thanks. It's our show!